Welcome to episode 15 of Mind Reading Marketing. Today, we're going to talk all about copywriting, and we're really going to focus on connecting with your audience. It's so important to ensure that your content marketing is authentic and attracting the right clients, and then of course, also turning off the wrong ones. So today I've brought on Christine McShane. Christine is a writer, photographer, and content marketing junkie that loves to help her clients reach new audiences and nurture their leads. With an artistic upbringing and business career, Christine specializes in defining your message and sharing it with the world through the right words and images. She strategizes and executes compelling content to boost your visibility and attract and pre-qualify your leads. Hi there, I'm Isabel Kateman and I run Stripe Dog Creative, a website strategy and design firm dedicated to helping service-based entrepreneurs create strategic and elegant websites so they can attract their dream clients, raise their prices, and scale their businesses. I'm so excited to have you here for the Mind Reading Marketing Podcast. Tune in each week to hear practical business advice, tips on embracing and learning from failure, trust me, it's going to happen, and real talk on trying to create a balanced life as an entrepreneur for my guest experts and of course, from me. Ready to turn those dreams into a reality? Let's do it. And Christine, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited about this. Oh, thank you, Isabel. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So tell us a little bit about what you do and how you help entrepreneurs. Sure, sure. So the short version is that I am a content marketing strategist. I'm a copywriter and a brand photographer. But if you really boil down what I do is I help my small businesses attract and pre-qualify their ideal clients. And we do that through organic content marketing. And I like to say that organic content marketing or content marketing is actually networking when you can't do it in person, right? So we all know how powerful networking and referrals and word of mouth is. But let's face it, there's only so many hours in the day that you can be networking or that your team can be networking. And content marketing is just a very strong and very important piece of your overall marketing strategy. It sort of complements the in-person networking. The reason why in-person networking works is because you're building relationships, right? We as human beings just love to do business with people that we know, like, and trust. If it's fun, if it feels natural, it feels good, it feels aligned, we're going to do it, right? We want to do business with people who there's no friction. And that's where content marketing comes in. And that's how I help my clients grow and attract and pre-qualify their ideal clients. And I say pre-qualify because if you do it genuinely, and if you do it consistently, then you're going to attract the people who resonate with that. If they are looking at your content, whether it's in your inbox or it's on social media, or they read a blog and they're like, Ooh, I like this person. Like, I want to hear more of what this person has to say. Those are the kinds of people you want the sales calls with, right? You don't necessarily want leads that are just numbers and names and email addresses. You want people who you put yourself out there and they're like, yeah, like I get what you're saying. I like what you're saying. Those are the people you want to attract and pre-qualify. And we do that through content marketing. There's three ways to work with me. I do overall content marketing strategy because I got to tell you, Isabel, and I'm sure you feel You've seen this through your clients is a lot of times people come to me and they're like, I know I need to be doing this. And I just, I don't know what, and I can't do it all. So can you help me pick and choose what to do, when to do it, how often to do it? And then I can also help them execute it because as you know, I'm a copywriter. I actually execute it for them as well. And I do brand photography for people in my local area. So kind of help them with the whole 
message and connecting with that ideal client. I love that. And I love what you said about how content marketing is like essentially networking when you can't network because it is so, so important to build those no like, and trust factors. And so when you're working with people, you know, you talk a lot about pre-qualifying. And I think as people get further and further in business and more established and really start to niche down, they start to get very clear on who they want to work with, who's a good fit for them, who can really benefit from them. And so how do you help your clients kind of figure out what that niche is and make sure that they're talking to them in a really authentic way that is not only going to resonate with those clients, but is really kind of staying true to who the business owner is? That is such a good question. And you would think that just producing content that's like genuine to you and organic to you would be easy. And it actually can feel very overwhelming because it's like, you've got this plethora of options. You can be on podcasts, you can give talks, you can write emails, you can have a landing page, you can have a webinar, you can have a blog, you can do a guest blog, you can do guest speaking, social media. Social media alone, I think, trips up everybody like, oh my goodness, I have to be, I have to be posting five times a day. And what am I supposed to post? This is taking up my life. They don't want that, but they still want to connect, right? And they still want to communicate. So Boy, your question, I'm going to unpack that because there is a couple pieces there. And so there's three things you need to know, like to your core. And that is who you are and what your brand is, who your ideal client is. And here's a hint. It's not anyone. Like if you are saying anyone, you've got to take that out of your vocabulary. It's not anyone. And I can talk about that in a minute. And the third thing is how you specifically solve their problem. Like who are you a best fit for? And sometimes people come to me and they're like, they just want me to write their copy. They already have this all nailed down. That's fine. Maybe they're like, Christine, I just need you to write a five email series. Great. Or can you write my monthly blog? Great. They tell me, you know, we do a knowledge transfer, but you know, sometimes people come to me and I'll say, let's talk about your ideal client. And there's some fumbling there. Or I might say, you know, what's your pitch? And they might fumble a little bit. Listen, I did it too, right? I've gone to a million networking events, right? And so it was my turn to just stand up and introduce myself and everybody's looking at you and I'm trying to like find the right words because I hadn't really nailed down my pitch at the time. And so I would just spill out stuff that to me made sense. I would just say what I did and that's not a pitch and that could be a whole other podcast. So for those clients, I do sort of break it down for them. Like I have some very purposeful, intentional questions to help them get to the bottom of those three things that you need to know, who you are, who you're trying to serve and how you serve them, why you're a best fit to serve them. And sometimes one of the questions I ask them is like, who do you not want to work with? Like, I know everybody says, well, anyone who wants to improve their health fitness, But if you kind of dig down into talking with them, there's usually a sweet spot. Well, I actually really love women who've just had a baby and I get them back into shape or so that they're happy with their bodies or they're happy with their fitness and their health. Okay, well, then that's your ideal client. So that's how I sort of help a lot of the clients. And that's one of the packages that I have is this sort of content marketing strategy where I can kind of come in and do the heavy lifting four of them, because you've got to know those three things, whether it's, you know, from me or for anyone else, there's tons of resources out there on the internet about how to identify what your brand is, you know, who's your ideal client, do one of those exercises. And I recommend doing them 
least once a year, if not every six months, because it will change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think as, especially as people evolve and, you know, I'm going through this right now too, and just kind of evolving my packages and the people I work with, but I think it's so important to kind of keep checking in with yourself and really start to kind of keep track of the types of clients that you're attracting, the types of clients that you feel really good after working with, the types of clients that you feel like you were really able to help them. Like, are you positioned in a way that was really able to help that group of people? Or would you be better off kind of working with a different group? And did that group benefit as much as a different group could you know, benefit from? And was it enjoyable? I think so many people get so focused on their business and so focused on making money and they're so frenetic and they're pulled in so many different directions that they stop to think like, am I actually having fun doing this? Or would I be better off in a corporate job, you know, not having to worry about where the money came from? And so I think it's super important to definitely kind of just keep checking in with yourself throughout on all of those things and just making sure that you're aware of all of that. Sure. So you hit on such a really good point. One way to sort of think about your ideal client is look back in that past six months, like where have been your rave reviews, right? Look there. And those are the people you're making big impact on because most of us go into business. Of course, yes, we all need to make money, whether it's through a salaried job or through running your own business, but we're all here to serve. And we've chosen the business that we've chosen because we feel like we can serve people a certain segment in a certain way. So look at your reviews and figure out who came back to you and was like, oh my God, is about like you, oh, like changed my life or like everything's different now. My business is booming or my stress level is down or I feel so much more organized, whatever it may be. That could be a clue. Like this is the market who needs you. So maybe you could serve them, like niche down into them. But I agree, boy, and I think COVID really taught us this. Things change right? Not just you, but like your personal life may change and the markets may change. Trends change, like consumer trends change. Industries change. Competitors change, right? So you may be doing one thing and then a competitor comes on the scene and is doing something very similar and you've got to like change it up a little bit. Or maybe there's some industry regulations that make things more difficult or easier or open up a whole new avenue for you. Consumer tastes change. So, you know, I look at Christmas cards, like holiday cards, they've changed. So it used to be one way and now it's another. And so when things went digital and people started using photo cards for their holiday cards, there's a whole new industry that just blossomed over that, right? So things are always changing. Some of it's personal and in our control, like what kind of clients do I want to work with? What kind of work do I want to do? And then some stuff is outside of our control. So that's why I say you should be checking in every six months to a year and say, "Mm, what's different? I mean, I would love it if everything was set and forget it, but usually it's not. (laughs) It's just not. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think things are constantly evolving in everything, but especially in entrepreneurship, you kind of have to be limber and be flexible and be kind of willing to have things work. And maybe they're working even really well for a while and suddenly they're not working and you really just have to kind of learn to pivot. And so as people are kind of trying to make this connection with their audience, whether it's a new business owner that's just starting out or even an established business owner who is looking to maybe pivot and start speaking to a new audience, what tips do you have for kind of attracting an audience that is really going to resonate with you and really building that list for you know an email list or a newsletter series? So there's so many ways. The first thing I would do is take a step back, literally write down right? Those three things I was talking about. You might've heard the term unique value proposition. So there's all these buzzwords that go around. So it's like, what's your unique value proposition? What's your unique selling proposition? Basically, who are you? What's your brand? What are you selling? 
who is it for? You've probably heard client avatar or ideal client. There's lots of different terminology. Really nail that down. Then think about two things. Where are those people hanging out digitally and in person? Right? How are you going to get yourself in front of them? And that can be difficult. You've got to sit and think about it. What groups are they in? What forums are they in? Where are they on social media? Are they the LinkedIn crowd? Are they the Pinterest crowd? Are they on Twitter? Are they on Instagram? Are they part of forums that you can contribute to conversations? So think about those things. And then you've got to contribute. And I'm going to emphasize the word contribute for a reason, because this is relationship building, right? And so I'm sure we've all been to an event or a blind date or just a meeting and somebody just sit next to them and they just jammer on about themselves. It's one way, right? So there's the old phrase, nobody wants to be sold to, but everyone wants to buy, right? And so it's kind of like conversation. We want to have a back and forth conversation. We want it to be appealing. So Think about who your ideal client is if you're pivoting. Who is that now? Think about where they are. Think about what their pain points are. And I'm sure, Isabel, this comes up a lot on your podcast, pain points. And side note, I've had conversations with people who are like, well, I just feel so negative to talk about the pain points. And I want to address that because I think that it's not necessarily manipulative to talk about their pain points. You've got to identify, if you look at it this way, how can you serve them and why do they need you? Now, some people are going to look at that and be like, I don't need that. I don't need that service, right? And that's okay, right? And then some people are going to read your marketing and go, oh, this is exactly what I've been experiencing. Where have you been all my life? If you, as long as you approach it with service of like, here's how I can make your life better if this applies to you. And I'm going to tell you, you know, here's a little checkbox. This is for you if, and if it's not, that's okay. Nailing that down and to get to your question about adding them to your email list, you have to do all that first. Then you can start thinking about showing up in forums, showing up in speaking engagements, doing your networking, showing up on social media, producing good content, but also generating a good quality lead magnet that addresses some of those pain points. So I'm sure your listeners already know what a lead magnet is, and it could be a downloadable PDF. It could be a free webinar. It could be a free video where you're giving away free information, hence the term freebie, in exchange for their email address to put them on your list. So you've got to make that freebie very attractive, right? It's got to be catchy. It's got to attract their attention, and you've got to actually solve a problem it drives me nuts. I saw, I've signed up for a lot of lead magnets and it drives me nuts when there's really no value in there. I've got to learn a little something from it. If I'm exchanging my email, you don't have to give away the farm, but you've got to give away real value. And so that someone can walk away and go, you know what? I never thought about that before, right? That's all you're going for is giving them walking away with at least one to three points where they're like, oh, I didn't know that, but now I do. So you've added value. And then they've given you your email list. Obviously, you are forthcoming, you know, totally upfront about that. And then now you've got them on your email list. So kind of a long journey if you're starting. It sounds like a lot of steps, but it's actually not. And you can do it quickly. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think it's so important, you know, what you were saying about 
providing value. I think that's so important because I'm with you. I think especially new business owners tend to sign up for a lot of lead magnets because you're kind of lost and you don't really know where you're supposed to turn. You're trying to just take in as much information as you can. And I completely agree with you. It's like when you've gone through the whole rigmarole of putting in your name and your email and waiting for something and signing up and opting in, and then you get something and you're like, this is it. Like, this is what I was kind of waiting for versus those people where you get it and you're like, this is gold. And this is so helpful. And I think a lot of people worry about giving too much away, but the truth of the matter is if you've ever been through that process of getting one of those lead magnets and thinking to yourself, like, this is gold, you keep that person in mind. Like I've actually genuinely gone on to work with a lot of the people whose lead magnets I signed up with who had lead magnets that were really great because just because you've you know, and again, like you said, you don't have to give it all away, but just because you've given a little tidbit, that doesn't mean that I want to do it myself or that I have all of the know-how to do it or have the time to do it, frankly. And so I think you're almost just kind of giving a little teaser or you're making people think in a way that they haven't thought before. You're just kind of changing perspectives on things. And a lot of times that does actually in the long-term lead to a sale down the line. It doesn't mean that they're just going to take that and kind of walk away from you. Exactly. Exactly. I always encourage my client, like never be afraid to give it away. First of all, how many people listening to this podcast have purchased, you know, books like Atomic Habits and Mel Robbins just came out with a new book. Like there's a bazillion, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Like there are so many books and so many resources from so many talented and brilliant minds about how we can be more efficient, how we can grow our business, how we can make more money, how we can live better lives. And yet we still consume them. And we still also hire a private business coach. Just because I've read a bunch of business books doesn't mean that I'm not also going to hire a business coach. Just because I give away a bunch of copywriting tips doesn't mean that all of a sudden no one's going to hire me. Because there's going to be people in my audience who are going to say, that's great. I don't want to do it can you just do it? Right. Or in the case of a business coach, like that's great. I get it. I need someone to walk me through it and hold my hand because I can't get myself out of my own way. I would never be afraid of giving away too much. It's just only building relationships. Yeah. And I think on that same note too, it's important to remember that people consuming your content, because now there's so many different ways to consume content between social media and your newsletter and your website and podcasts, et cetera, et cetera that people are all going to be at different levels. So those you know, brand new business owners may just kind of get your lead magnet and not do anything with it or not do anything with it in the short term. Maybe in the long term, they have you in mind. There are people I've followed for years, but didn't kind of work with until a few years in. Then there's people in the middle who are kind of getting a bit more established, have a little bit more money or willing to invest. And then you have those you know, established business owners who are probably pulling in upwards of six figures and really have the money to invest and have zero time to do anything and are more than happy to hire you to kind of do it for them. But maybe they just, you know, sometimes I download people's lead magnets as a gut check. Like I'm like, I, you know, I know I want to work with this person, but before I really jump in, let me get a better flavor of what they do, or let me see what I'm kind of getting myself into before I do that. And so I think that's really important to remember too, is that people are just coming at it from so many different levels of business that you need to make sure that you're kind of keeping that in mind and you're not really fear-based on like, oh, it's just a bunch of newbies who are going to download it and can't afford to work with me anyway. Right. Exactly. And you know, we'll probably get into this when we talk about email marketing, but content marketing is a long game, right? It is not any relationship building is a long game. So networking is a long game. You don't just show up to a chamber of commerce event, hand out your business cards, walk away and be like, that's it. I'm never going back again. And I'm just going to get tons of business. 
Like that's not realistic. That's not how it works. You get to know the people. You show up a couple of times. They get to know you. You have a coffee. They learn more about your business. And then as you develop that relationship and they know, like, and trust you, that's when it comes in. And so, yeah, people are afraid of their newbies. Like, give them the information. Here's the thing about content marketing. Not everybody is ready to buy your services yet. So I have people who follow me. I have people who follow me that and contact me and they've been like, they'll call me and they'll say, you know, can you write this copy for me? I have a new launch and I need you to write the landing page. Or I have this thing going on. We just, I can't, I don't have time to do the email series. Can you do this email series? And I'll say, sure. How'd you find out about me? And they've been following me for two years, like two years. And when they started following me, I was dripping out some content that they needed. Maybe some they could digest. Maybe some of it was over the head. That's okay. We've all been there. We've all started. And when they had the need, they called me to see if we were our best fit. But don't just like, not everyone's going to have a need right now. Right? That's just not how it works. So yeah, that's a really good point, Isabel. Yeah. And I think this is kind of a tangent, but just what you were saying about, you know, networking and a long game and really building those relationships. It's funny because I was actually just speaking to someone who's a somewhat new business owner and she was saying that she hates networking. And I was so surprised because I was like, it's absolutely my favorite thing to do. And she was like, I hate selling myself. And I was like, right. But that's the problem is that you're coming at it. And this is content marketing. This is websites. You're coming at it from completely the wrong place. You're walking into a networking event. And she, she said something like, I don't like selling myself cold. And I was like, right. Cause you're walking into a networking event and you're thinking to yourself, what pitch can I say to immediately walk out of here and get business and never chat with these people again? Whereas when I really started loving networking and I, you know, and I felt just like her in the beginning, but when I really started loving it, it was about, I actually don't care what kind of business I'm getting from this. Cause that's not the goal today. The goal today is, you know, to meet, let's say three people that I can really establish a connection with, you know, you're on my podcast today. You and I have been in touch for like a year and a half or two years. We've done right. a ton of meetings, you know, and it's just, it's like, I didn't enter into that networking event thinking like, oh, can Christine be on my podcast one day? Or, you know, you didn't enter being like, can Isabel send me some people to write my nurture series one day? It's just like, we liked each other. Our personalities got along. We did a one-to-one. We found connections, you know, had mutual conversations. It's so important. I think in any writing that you're doing for any sort of marketing to really think about connecting with people, you know, as you were saying, the no like, and trust factors, how can you really be of service to people? How can you really help people? What can you say that's, you know, I always go with website copy. How can you make people feel something? How can you emotionally resonate and connect with people? And so it was just, it was interesting kind of going into this pod because I literally just got off the phone with her. And I was like, I hope that I changed her mind because I was just like, it makes me so sad when people say that because it's like, you're coming at it from so the wrong way. And as you get more established as a business owner, I'm sure you see this too, like 95% of my business is referrals. So if I wasn't doing networking, I wouldn't be getting business. And so she's having trouble getting business, but hates networking. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I really hope that you can shift your perspective on things. Yeah. That's a really funny story, but I do think her experience isn't unusual, right? Totally. I probably did that. I probably, when I started my business, someone said, you know, you got to go to a networking event. Well, okay. What does that mean? I don't know, but I guess I'll just grab my business cards and go find out, right? And you walk in and you don't know anybody. And all you know is that you're here because you have to grow your business, right? So yeah, you're right. Maybe in the new person's mind, they're like, this means I must go sell to these people. And I learned pretty quickly that that is not 
at all <laughs> what it is. It's you, right? You connect and then you figure out who you have a connection with, you know, and it's not all equal. I was in a networking group and one of the people I would network with, he was in the trades and he looked at me and he said, Christine, I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to refer you business. And I was like, that doesn't matter to me. Like, I know that I will probably be able to refer you business. And I get that it's like, nobody asked their plumber for a recommendation on a copywriter. Like, I get that that's probably not going to happen, but that's not the point here. The point is we're in this networking group, we have relationships, and then it just it's like magic. It just sort of happens and it happens organically. And I think that's why I love content marketing so much is the organic piece. Like I hate selling. I hate sales. That's why I don't do paid ads. And I have a very full calendar and I don't do paid ads. It's all relationship building and content marketing, but it takes a while. It doesn't show. It's not like it's not super immediate results. It is a long game. Yeah, absolutely. But the sooner you get started, the sooner that long game begins. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about newsletters. So in terms of, you know, let's kind of start at the beginning. If you had a lead magnet and then people, you know, opted in for that lead magnet, you'd probably put them onto a nurture series. So talk a little bit about what you think is important to be in a nurture series, how long you kind of suggest that a nurture series be. And then, you know, after that, we can kind of move into more just like regular weekly, monthly newsletters. So when you capture someone's email, and so you should always obviously like they should be opting in. There's nothing that bothers me more that you go to a networking event and then someone automatically adds you to their email list. But it not only is it sort of a weird practice, but you're also wasting time with someone who isn't pre-qualified. So remember in the beginning of the podcast, I talked about like how important it is to pre-qualify someone before, right? In each step, you want to pre-qualify them so that you're not wasting time talking to someone who just you're not aligned or they don't have the need or it's just, it's never going to happen. So why pay for that email address to be on your email list? Because some people pay per subscribers. And why would you want to have somebody on your email list that never overtly expressed interest? in what you had to say. So now you've done your lead magnet. Maybe it's a downloadable PDF, or maybe you did like a recorded webinar or what have you when you collect those. So then you can kick them into a nurture sequence. And this happens automatically, right? After they've downloaded or registered. And, you know, in terms of the length, it really can depend, but the whole point of the nurture sequence is to nurture them, right? That's where that word came from. And you're welcoming them to your list, you're setting up expectations of what they can expect. So it might be like, you know, welcome to Christine's monthly newsletter about copywriting and content marketing strategy tips. You'll receive them once a month. I, you know, setting expectations of how often they're going to hear from you. And you can throw in, I mean, there's certain methodologies that you can use for um, your series. Usually people do like a three, a five, a seven you know, 10 is like, that's more for like a sales email sequence or maybe a seven, but like a three to a five is pretty normal for a nurture sequence. And it's also called a welcome series because you're welcoming them. And so things you might want to include are, this is not a sales series where you're hammering home. Generally, you're not hammering home when bombarding them with the sales. You're literally welcoming them in to have tea with you. You're welcoming them to have a conversation with you. You have opened the relationship and you're just telling them, here's what to expect. Here's what I do. Here's some bit more value. 
So sometimes what I do is I also often, so like one of my sequences, they have a download. In the next email, I'll give them a different download or the opportunity to, because I have several. Now that's not to be saying that you can't sell in your nurture sequence. Sometimes let's say you were doing a webinar. So maybe Isabel, you were doing a webinar on like five tips to make your website attract your ideal client. But what you're really trying to drive them to maybe would be like to redo their, you know, an upsell. Maybe you have an upsell to redo their website. And so that could be part of the welcome series or the nurture series. But in general, if it's just like a random, someone's downloaded your freebie, you just have a series that welcomes them to the conversation. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's perfect. And so in that series, you know, I think it's really important to make sure that you're again, kind of just going back to that connection. And I really like what you said about kind of directing them into different places, because if they have, you know, especially like I know a lot of my nurture series leads back to blog posts. And I know blog posts is one of the things that you help people with too, but I think just the more, and I know this sounds very overwhelming if someone hasn't kind of started down this path, but I think just the more resources that you can put out there, the more information you can put out there, the more likely you are to kind of capture the right type of person and really attract the right type of person because the more helpful you are and the more information you have, the longer they stay on your site or the longer you know they go before unsubscribing because you're really kind of delivering that information. And so when you're kind of thinking about or helping clients with their newsletter series, do you recommend weekly? Do you recommend monthly? And if they are doing blogs, do you usually have them kind of send out a newsletter based on the blog or do you like to keep those two things separate? So those are good questions. So in terms of frequency, it really depends on the business. And there's a lot of different philosophies. So before I talk about the frequency, I will say you should really make sure that you're giving away real value in the emails. So remember, first of all, emails are slightly more invasive than social media, right? So like social media is they go to you, right? Sort of like they go to their feed and you're in their feed. And emails is sort of like you go to them. And so you want to make sure that you're delivering real value. So the first question you have to ask yourself is, how often can I consistently deliver real value realistically while also running my own business? So maybe some of your listeners have a writer, they have a VA, they have a marketing part-time person, or maybe it's all just them. So whatever your situation is, think about how often can you realistically deliver real value that's email worthy. Yes, sometimes you're going to sell in your emails, but if you want to get them to open your emails consistently, I don't have the statistic off the top of my head, but I did look, there's a breakdown of like what makes people open your emails. The number one reason why someone opens the email is because it's from you. The second reason is the subject line. And I think there's like three other reasons, right? So even more powerful, and I know we talk a lot about having a really catchy and compelling subject line, which is so important, hands down. But what's interesting to me, that statistic is even above that, it's because it's you, right? So again, building that relationship and delivering value. And I signed up for a lot of email lists, a lot. I signed up to my clients' email lists. I signed up to everybody in like the marketing world, because I just like to keep abreast of what's going on. And you kind of figure out really quickly who delivers the beef, right? Like the really juicy, good tidbits and what's more fluff. So if you can figure out how often can I deliver something that's really juicy, think about start there and then think about your clientele and think about how often you think they want to receive a newsletter. All right. So you kind of got to backtrack that way. So for some people, weekly is fine. 
For some people, monthly is better. I have some people who do twice a month, but it's not not a science. And you want to make sure that they're opening it because you can't reach them if they're not opening it. Right. And I think, you know, in that same vein, so many people get so nervous when people unsubscribe or opt out of a newsletter because, you know, again, you want to make sure they're opening it. But I think for me, it really helped shift my perspective when I thought about it as if I'm not speaking to these people, resonating with these people, connecting with these people, I would rather that they opt out because I would rather have, you know, an audience of a hundred who actually open my emails, actually click on my links, are actually excited to hear what I have to say versus having an audience of a thousand where that same hundred are still the ones opening it and 900 aren't. It's like, I think, you know, I think this comes from being more established and spending a lot of time. And, you know, I did not start like this. You learn all these lessons over time, but I think you really start to learn about you know, the importance of having that dedicated audience, not being afraid, you know, you were saying earlier of like kind of having a checklist and pre-qualifying, really not being afraid to turn people off because for every person that you turn off or they're like, you know, I just, I'm not really feeling this, or, you know, this really isn't the service provider for me. I don't feel this emotional connection. I don't get them. There is somebody waiting in the wings who is going to come and be like, wow, I really resonate with that. Or, oh my God, I'd love to just get coffee with this person. Or, wow, I love the way she thinks about this. And so I think it's really important to kind of not be afraid if you have, you know, some people that are unsubscribing, you know, each week or each month or whenever you send it, because you're really just getting kind of closer and closer to that right list of people for you. This is why I love talking to you as well. Like (laughs) we're so on the same page. I love that. Yes. Don't be afraid to turn people off. And that's kind of the wrong way to say it, but it is true, right? It's just because you're making space for the right people. Now, I get it. Like, I've been in business for over 10 years. But yes, there was a time when I first started. When you are first starting, I get it. Like, you are like, anyone who's willing to pay me money for my product or service, let's do this, right? And I get that. And that's totally acceptable for like the point that you're at. But at some point, you start realizing like, huh, things go smoother and everything, everybody's happy when we're aligned, like when this is the right fit. And so you're right. If people are unsubscribing, it's nothing to worry about. They were never interested in your emails or they have decided that they're no longer interested in emails. And that is okay. Bless and release. And you can make space for the people who are a good fit. There's what billions of people on this planet. You know, I mean, there's always going to be somebody who you can serve. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so you know, if people are feeling very overwhelmed and they're kind of short on time, aside from obviously hiring somebody like you, because at some point, you know, especially as we grow, we all need to realize that it is better to outsource. I will say this again. It is always better to outsource (laughs) if it's not your zone of genius. But if you are not at that place yet, or you're just not quite mindset there yet, I promise you'll get there, but you're not there yet. And they're kind of like, okay, I only have time to do one or the other. I only can either blog or do a newsletter. Where do you suggest that people start? So boy, that's a good question. So I actually am a really big fan of repurposing. And I think that you can accomplish both. And so what do I mean by repurposing is content generation to be genuine and to be real. So first of all, you can like go out and like buy, you know, I'm sure you could buy like a packet of like 365 social media posts and you download that for $37 and you post it up and you're like, great, I've been posting on social media. It's fantastic. You know what? It's not fantastic because I've learned zero about your business and your brand because you purchased it from someone else. So, right, it needs to be genuine. But I get 
right? Genuine. It's there's some work involved in there. It's got to come from the heart. It's got to come from you. So I say, put your efforts into being genuine, but then repurpose that. So you're not spinning your wheels. So let's say you get this great idea and you write a blog post. Maybe I write a blog post about why, and I think I'm going to now, why content marketing is networking when you can't network in person, right? So I'll write this blog post. Now I'm going to think about where am I going to post this on my blog or do I want to guest post it somewhere like medium.com? Maybe I want to make it into a LinkedIn article. I've got to sort of think about where I want it to go on the internet, but there's no reason why I can't repurpose that back into an email to my email subscribers, because they may or may not be two different things. Then I might also, as a repurposing, I would take a couple little snippets from that blog post. I would plug those into social media and drive traffic back to the blog post that I just posted on the, on the internet. And then I could also do like a, you know, a little video, like a Facebook live or something very quickly, just repeating the information that I've already done the work in and outlining my thoughts in my head and on paper, well, on screen, as it were, because I don't write on paper anymore. So if you were trying to choose, I say you don't have to. I mean, there is some work involved in that, like you've got to copy and paste and put it into your emailer. You got to copy and paste and put it into your blog. Blogs require a little bit more thought because you've got to think about SEO. If SEO is important to you, that could be another conversation because you've got to structure it. You can do some very intentional things with your keywords and where you put them in the blog post to make sure your meta description, all that. And for people who are just starting out, don't get overwhelmed. Like that's step two. <laughs> you just start your content. That I think is my biggest message. If someone is just starting, just start, just put it out there. In fact, I just got off the phone today with someone who asked me about most. Well, she's like, well, I'm launching in like a couple months. And so why don't you start creating content now? Because if you're doing this big launch, in like February, March, or you know, whatever it was, then people who look you up because they will, they're gonna go to your blog and see six blog posts already, or you know, six, you know, 12 social media posts. So just produce content, just produce it. And you know what? Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Most people are just reading and moving on. Just this is not the declaration of independence here. That's like you want to be good. Don't misunderstand me. It has to be good, really good, beefy content and correct and grammatical and all that stuff. But, you know, just create it and let it go. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, I mean, I call myself a recovering perfectionist. I think it can be so difficult for any entrepreneur to kind of, you know, it's a representative of you. It has your name on it. It's your brand. It can be very scary, but I completely agree with you. You know, people get stuck in like analysis paralysis. And I think it's so important to just kind of put things out there. Like, you know, even now I'm launching a course in 2022. No idea what the course is going to be. No idea when I'm launching it. But like in my next iteration of my website that'll go up in 2021, I'm putting a wait list there. Still don't even know what the course is going to be, but why not? Because if a few people are potentially interested, even if it's five people, might as well capture those five people and be able to help them and serve them, you know, if they're a good fit for it versus being terrified that it's not perfect or you don't have all the details worked out and then potentially losing out on those five people. Right. Right. For sure. Just put it out there. You never know who's listening now, especially since we, and this is another reason why I think repurposing is really good. There's so much noise out there. We're so busy. Not everybody's going to see your content all the time. That's the other thing. So maybe Isabel, you write the most amazing 
email ever. And you sent it out. This happened, this happened to a client of mine. She sent it out over the weekend before Labor Day. And she got a low, she called me and she's like, I don't know why my emails. And, and so we looked at, this was somebody who wanted to work with me. And she had sent it out to people who had college age children, but it was the weekend that people were moving their kids into the dorm. Right. So it's like, think about who your client is. Like, doesn't matter if you just sent them an email saying you want a million dollars, they're probably not going to open it because they're moving their kids. They're getting everything set up. They're buying those sets of sheets. They're doing whatever. Like it is a crazy, crazy weekend. That was her ideal client. That was her target audience. People with college age children. So not everybody's going to see everything that you do all the time. So repurpose it and put it on as many platforms as you can. You can spread out the timing because you just never know if people are going to see it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I I think that's so important too. I actually am in a coaching group and it's funny you bring this up because one of the women who's in it, who is actually a social media, you know, marketer, she does social media for people. She was having a course launch. And so she came to one of the coaching calls and she was like, you know, I don't know what to do. I haven't had that many people sign up for it, but I feel like I've just been blasting it everywhere. And I'm nervous to kind of like over blast it. And it was hysterical because you know, I follow her, for example, and like 20 other people in the group followed her. And every single one of us was like, oh, I didn't know you were launching. And it was just like, it was one of those things where it's like, you feel like you've said it a thousand times because you see it and you're in it and you're so nervous to kind of overshare these things. But, you know, between social media and newsletters and all this different stuff, it's like people, you know, just because you post it on Facebook doesn't mean everyone saw it. Just because you sent in a newsletter, you know, what if they got 10 other emails that morning and just kind of mass deleted them or ignored them or went to spam or whatever it was. And so I think it was just a really good lesson, you know, for me, especially just kind of watching this unfold from someone who's a social media marketer. I was like, oh, that's a great realization. Like overshare, overshare, overshare. Yeah. And to that point, so I've been on the other side of it too, right? So someone came to me, this was about a year or two ago. And she said, "Uh, I need you to help me write. Can you help me write this landing page for this five-day workshop that I've got going on about XYZ? So as we're doing it, I'm going... Oh, this is a really good workshop. Like, you have to tell me when this goes live. I want to register for this. Hands down, like, I'm sold. You don't have to, like, whatever. I'm in. Well, we worked on our email series, right? So the first email went out. I never signed up. The second email signed out. It's never signed up. I lost the early bird special, right? Then the third email went out. I never signed up because it was just like I got the emails, but like maybe I got the email, but I was walking into a meeting. And then by the time I came out of two meetings, her email was sort of like buried into the next page. It wasn't that I didn't want to sign up. I told her I was sold, but the timing of your emails or the timing when I saw her Facebook posts wasn't ideal for me to actually take action, get my credit card out and register. So finally, I get this email. I'm in bed. It's like 1030 at night. And I usually don't read my emails at night, but I did. And it was like, tonight's the last night. Cart's closing at midnight. I was like, oh my God, I ran down and got my credit card. And I was sold from the beginning. And I still waited till the last email. It took, I can't remember, it was a five email series or a seven email series. It took the last cart closing email in order for me to stop what I was doing and get my credit card because there's a little friction there, right? Like when you ask someone to buy, they've got to get their method of payment. They have to fill something out. And so if the timing's not convenient, they're not going to do it. So I always think about that. I'm like, here I was. I was sold before she even started selling it. And it took me to the very last email in order to, plug in my credit card. So we're just busy. So share, share. Like I know nobody wants to be salesy and over promoting. And I get that. However, yeah, you kind of have to sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. 
And so as we kind of wrap up here, what are your final tips for people who are like, I'm, you know, aside again, aside from outsourcing, which I definitely recommend, but if people are like, you know, I'm a terrible writer, I'm just really nervous about it, or I get writer's block, or I don't know what to say. What are some of your writing tips for kind of helping people get flowing with writing? Sure. So writing, yes. So some people, it scares them into like fright mode, which is funny for me. The funny thing is I have writers who come to me and like, I love to write. I just don't have time. So start small. And one of the things I suggest for people who are really just like, I can't even, I don't even know where to start is just take your phone and do a voice to text translation. Just talk about your thoughts. Just talk to someone about it. And then it's translated, it's transcribed, right? And now you've got something to work with. You're going to have to spend some time organizing because the thing about writing that's different than everything else is it 100% requires organization and cohesion. So I could talk to you, Isabel, and kind of like talk in circles and you could kind of like get what I'm saying, but I can't write in circles. Like, otherwise you, you will leave. You will just stop reading. So if you're super intimidated by writing or it just feels really uncomfortable, you're not there yet for hiring a writer, take your phone, do a voice of text, just sort of outline what you want to say. Now you have, now you're not looking at a blank piece of paper, but now you're looking at a transcribed version of what you're talking and now you can kind of modify it. So going in and editing something that's already there is easier than staring at that blank page going, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. And I love that tip about talking out loud. I always say, you know, now I do the copywriting for my clients, but I used to, you know, previously have my clients do the copywriting. And I always used to say, you know, speak because you, when you're writing and you're staring at this blank piece of paper, not only is it so intimidating, but it's so overwhelming and you're going to kind of second guess, like something's going to come out and you're going to be like, oh, that's not quite the right word. Like, let me sit here and really overthink what this word should be. Whereas when we're talking, we don't overthink it. We don't second guess it. So, you know, just as you were saying, if you can start, you know, that's not the final product by any means, but it's like, if you can kind of start, it gives you a really comfortable foundation to then kind of go in and organize and edit it versus trying to like, just from scratch, from a blank piece of paper, start writing. Right. Right. It just takes the edge off and it gives you just something to work with. Yeah. But yeah, most people are verbal processors. So it's funny because I help people write their pitch. And so they'll submit something to me as part of like the discovery package. And then when we get on the call, I'll say, can you forget what you wrote? Can you tell me who you serve? Just like talk to me, like conversation. Tell me who you are. Who do you serve? What do you do? And I got to tell you, when they talk to me over Zoom, you know, face to face, that is so much better than this, you know, what they've attempted as a pitch, not because they're bad writers. It's just, it's easier. It's easier to have a conversation. Yeah. A hundred percent. No, I do the same thing. I have my clients fill out a questionnaire, but then what we really do is we do a 90 minute strategy call that I record on zoom. And to be honest with you, the questionnaire is great for a foundation, but the recording is where the money is. Like they say things that they didn't feel comfortable writing, or they tell me stories that they just thought were unimportant that they were filling out this questionnaire. And I feel like without that call, it would be so kind of boring and surface level. But when you're having a conversation, you're just more free flowing, easygoing, things pop in and out of your head. You're free to say them. And it just, it's a hundred times better. I completely agree with you. Oh, totally. I do the same thing with the 90 minute call and like, just it flows, it flows out of their mouth. Right. And there's, you can tell what lights them up. You can tell where the emotion is. You can tell what's real. Yeah. A hundred percent. And they also speak 
in a, in a much more kind of colloquial way. And so you also get their little mannerisms and way more personality than you get when someone's trying to like formally write something. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So as we wrap up here, I like to ask all of my guests, if you could go back 10 years when you first started your business, what is one piece of advice that you wish you could give to yourself back then? Boy. Yeah. I saw that question. I was like, oh boy, that, how do I even begin? Because so I think some mistakes you kind of have to go through. Like, I don't think there ever is a straight line that anyone's going to be like, I'm going to start a business and everything's going to go hundred percent perfect from like start to finish. Like you kind of have to try. It's kind of like when you test out, when you start out and you take any business, like I was mentioning earlier, like you'll take anyone who hires you and then you do it and you're like, oh, yep. That wasn't my jam. I don't think I'm going to be doing that anymore. And oh, yep, that one, that one, I think I'm going to stick to this. And so you kind of narrow it down. I guess the advice I would give to anyone starting new or to me way back when is, you know, don't give up and get outside help. And I know that in the beginning, that's hard, right? Nobody has the budget for that. And so do the things like, follow people on social media, read their blogs, download their freebies. That's a great place to start. Buy the books on Amazon for $12.99. It's cheaper than hiring a business coach to start, but always keep learning, always keep learning and expect, I guess part B to that is expect that things will change. Platforms are changing, technology changes, your customers change, things change. So always keep learning and just expect things to change and go with the flow. Yeah. And don't be afraid. And don't be afraid. That was the other thing is, well, you said that. Don't be afraid to just don't be afraid. Yeah. Things will go wrong for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You just have to learn from them. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So if people are ready to outsource and want to hire Christine McShane, how do they go about doing that? Absolutely. Well, you can check out my website, which is www.christinemcshane.com. That's Christine with a CH. I, I know you'll put this in the show notes. I do have a couple of free resources. One of my favorites, one I'd love to give to your listeners is five ideas for content creation. It's primarily focused on blog posts, but honestly, you could use this for email. So if you're listening to this podcast or you're working with Isabel, it's getting our website up and running. You're like, I need to like get some blogs out there. or I need to write some newsletters. This is really going to get your creative juices flowing in a way. And I wrote these five very specifically to generate interest, you know, be clickable and generate interest because you're really going to get to the heart of what your ideal client wants to know. Everything we should be doing with content marketing should be, again, attracting and pre-qualifying and serving, but also pre-qualifying. So you can find that under the download section of my website and you can download all of them. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I just want to give you a virtual high five because I have cursed in every single episode and I keep getting an explicit rating. And I think I made it through this episode without cursing. So I'm so excited. Not that the explicit rating is bad. Maybe people are like, Ooh, there's something really interesting and juicy in there, but I think this was the first time. So virtual high five to you. And thank you so much for being here. I did. I did very consciously like, okay, I'm going to keep this one clean because I... (laughs) If the podcaster doesn't swear, then I don't either. (laughs) We kept it clean. Yes, yes. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. It's always so fun chatting with you. Thank you, Isabel. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Mind Reading Marketing Podcast with yours truly, Isabel Caitlin. 
If you love the show, I would appreciate it if you could leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I love hearing from all of you. Share it with a friend, family, colleague, or anyone you know who may benefit from this episode. Remember, you can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at stripedogcreative.com. All right, that's it for today. See you next time.